Welcome to the Emo Social Club podcast, broadcasting to you live from EmoSocialClub.tv. I, professionally known, am Brian. And I also, hopefully professionally, but probably just through by handing you my business card, am Lizzie. You gotta stop doing that. <laughs> uh, this is the Emo Social Club podcast, the podcast about music, news, band interviews. Uh, hangs. Activism, hangs, chillin'. Anti-capitalist nonsense. Uh, Becoming an anti-Jared Little cult. Yeah, random cult nonsense too. Which, as uncomfortable as it makes me, I'm like, is it a brand? I don't know. Uh, today's episode, we have a guest. Uh, our new friends, hopefully, in Sarah and the Safe Word. Uh, we'll be talking with them about their new album. Uh, Lizzie, what's the name of that album? Because good it's- gracious, bad people. Yeah, it's got an exclamation mark in the middle, and so it throws me off. Uh, it's, it's a the fun record's really album. good. Yeah, it's a, it's a fun album. Uh, we talk a little bit about their genre because it's hard for us to describe it, but it's it's like old Panic of the Disco, some My Chemical Romance vampire uh, stuff, <laughs> like southern. What did you describe it as? Like uh, southern, southern theatrical gothic rock. Yeah. It's really cool. We we both are like fans of this band now, so it, it's cool to to have them on and talk with them about that uh, that record and their music videos and all that. Um, so yeah, we'll talk about to them in a moment. But before we do, Lizzie, what you got going on? Nothing really. <laughs> Sick. All right, here's the interview. Wow. <laughs> um, nothing too much though. Besides just working on our other segment. We're trying to figure out the best way to put it out, so there may be some fun new ways that we still have to discuss and figure out, but um, we're talking to some really cool people about different bands and songs that they enjoy, and I think you're really going to like it and hear a lot of different perspectives and hear a bunch of bands that you probably have never heard of or really haven't heard in general explain further, because I know this whole thing is supposed to be you go, I go in pretending I don't know these bands. And I actually don't fucking know these bands. Is the actual <laughs> plot twist? Turns out. Turns out nobody's just talking about Fall Out Boy all the time. Insane. Oh God. <laughs> Besides that, just hanging on Twitter at X Emo Social Club X. Come hang out. Don't yell at me. Don't have Brian come and have start trouble with people on Twitter. I start trouble off Twitter. And then I'm so bring happy. the trouble to you on Twitter. I dislike that a lot, sir. I understand. It's not trouble if you like it. <laughs> but Brian, besides that, what are you doing? <laughs> Troublemaking, sir. Same general stuff. Um, Hell yeah. I probably put this in the Discord already, but I believe that the day streams are uh, just... It's tough to do now with a job, so we're going to be changing up the schedule, uh, streaming Monday, Thursday, Friday for video games during the day. They may go longer. They may not. I don't know. It depends on how I feel. Uh, Last week, we finished Resident Evil 3, 
and we were moving on to Resident Evil 4. If you were in the stream, I started playing Resident Evil 4 and then said, oh, I don't like this. <laughs> and it was like the whole point of playing Resident Evil as a series was like, oh, I played this when I was a kid. I loved it. I loved Resident Evil 1. I loved Resident Evil 4. I never actually played 2 and 3, so I was going to play the remakes, and it was going to be this great experience. I'm like, oh, God, I love this series. And then I like started playing Resident Evil 4, and I'm like, I liked this? <laughs> this is like... I don't know if it's the controls or what, but I'm like, this doesn't feel good anymore. Like something happened in years from putting it out to where I'm playing it, where I'm like, I don't like this. So I decided to skip straight to Resident Evil seven. And now I'm just playing that, which is a game that I much prefer in that series. It feels much scarier, much more tense, much more frightening. It's invigorating for you. No, Okay. I don't like the feeling of being afraid. I don't like the feeling of tension. I'm doing it for views, Lizzie. It's worked for other people. It will work for me. God damn it. <laughs> but no, I don't generally like the feeling of it. It doesn't make... It doesn't... The impending doom. It's the impending doom, and I don't care for it. There's a lot of things here that now I'm concerned about. Don't. Don't worry about me. It's hmm. fine. I can't leave my house, so don't worry about it. Uh, aside from that... We'll be back on Thursday night for another uh, live podcast. Uh, we got two this week. Double feature. We again. got another double feature, building up for that uh, Thanksgiving backlog. <laughs> yeah. So we will have a couple guests on. Uh, starts at seven thirty for our first guest and nine thirty for our second guest. We'll announce those over on our social medias. Keep it a surprise for you. So go find us on the Instagrams, Emo Social Club, uh, and Twitter. Lizzie already told you. Go harass her. Please don't harass there. me. Harass me on Instagram. Yeah, harass come for me. me. If you harass me, you have to harass Brian on Instagram. That's the rules. Yeah, come for me. I can handle it. I can block your ass. That's not <laughs> handling things. I handle the shit out of it. It's gone from me now. We also have our DJ streams on Friday nights, 6 p.m. Central Time for all those times that were mentioned. So, uh, yeah, come hang out with us, listen to music before Twitch shuts down through DMCA claims on everything. Yeah, let's, uh, let's all try to have fun before yeah. we cannot have fun and we'll have before to start, like, doing Prohibition era, like, bootlegging to, like, <laughs> give you DJ Bootleg DJ sets. Don't know how that would work. Back there has to be day. a... Somebody has to be smart enough to make a platform for that sooner or later. And it's not going to be us because we're not program. Yeah, we're not programmers. It's probably going to be Spotify because we're we not, live in dude. a monopoly. Of we life. live in a society. Uh, destroy capitalism. Anyway, without further ado, here is our interview with Sarah and the safe word. Hello and welcome to the Emo Social Club podcast, broadcasting to you live from EmoSocialClub.tv. I am Brian. And I'm Lizzie, and we're here with Sarah and the Safe Word. Thank what you up? so much for coming on, everybody. Hey. Hey. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Of course. So we have Sarah, uh, Maddox, and Beth. Uh, I'll let you go around and introduce yourself so everybody can get a uh, sense of your voice and uh and know who's talking for the rest of the episode i guess um uh, and just say what you do and uh we said we said like let's try to have like a fun fact like an icebreaker but sometimes i'm like yeah that's really the least cool thing we could do on a podcast like this 
<laughs> it, it, it's sort of reminiscent of like those freshman classes you take in college yeah. where it's like mm -hmm. stand up and tell everyone your major and <laughs> about it and why you chose this class. Yeah. So. <laughs> I have uh, to. I hate those. So yeah. <laughs> that was my least favorite part of class. <laughs> like, I'm here to learn whatever the fuck it is. Let's just yeah. do it. Yeah, exactly. Yep. <laughs> Never understood why they asked that because it's like I'm here because it's required in my syllabus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really. Like if I don't take this, I don't fucking graduate. Like, what do you want from me? Yeah, like it's literally algebra like 1101. I have to take this. I'm <laughs> I'm a history major. Why do you think I'm taking this? Yeah. 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 Literally. So yeah, I guess why you're taking this class is a good one. You know, there we go. Yeah. Um, throw that up. My name is Sarah. Um, I'm the vocalist. I'm a political science major. Um, I, <laughs> I took this class because it was required. I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah, um, I'm Maddox. I play the bass, uh, history major, and yeah, also required class. Um, I'm Beth. I play the keyboards, um, and I'm actually a criminal justice major because who cares? Ooh. There's no rules anymore. I don't know what I'm going to do with it. <laughs> Good. Set that literally to a history major. <laughs> <laughs> I work in tech now. Yeah. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> Aren't we all working in, in uh, tech in a way? Uh, yeah. Also, we're getting like someone's Discord is no, it, is it, going it, off. I, it's my Discord. I saw <laughs> that. So sorry. Gotcha. No, no worries. We all were like, uh, oh, yeah, I think, is, I it, is it my I'm Discord? Like, who's hitting us up? We're, we're streaming. I felt very put by the chat and I was like, maybe I can play it off like it's not my Discord. And yeah. Like, <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> you got like 100 people just checking their. What? Like what? What is going on? Who needs me? Uh, sweet. So I, I want to give everybody an idea of kind of how your band sounds uh, to to anybody who hasn't heard you. Uh, to me, you all sound like a a new Venetia Fair, which I, I guess that's kind of one of your influences. I love uh, that. Yeah, I am a huge yeah. fan. So that was it. Was very exciting to. To, to start listening to your new record and being like, oh shit, this is, this is Venetia fair type shit. So that was good. Uh, so, so uh, you guys describe it as, as a, a cabaret influence, right? So uh, where does that kind of influence come from? And, and how do you describe your music instead of listening to me describe it to you? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, we did cabaret rock because I mean, I think um, sort of a thread that runs through all of our music is we, we like, vintage music but um something that we really love digging into is 1930s uh and vaudeville and sort of things that came out of the uh, the vaudeville scene of the 1930s the weimar cabaret stuff because i feel like that was kind of the original punk rock so mm -hmm. much stuff in the 1930s was centered around women's liberation artistic expression queer liberation um it was cut short unfortunately uh because of terrible things that happened at the time. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that whole art movement and that whole counterculture of that time was sort of like the original dissonance and and weird moment sort of in the last century. And it's kind of fun to draw inspiration from that. Oh, that's really awesome. I remember listening to you guys, like I think a couple years ago and I was like, oh, this is 
this is like early panic at the disco for me and i was like this is like really the vibe i've been looking for because there's always oh, yeah. that extra step that you want sometimes in music you want i like really like kind of like not like theatrical but like repo the genetic opera like i really like that type of music too I, I love listen, it. Yeah, I know. I've been seeing a bunch of like random like posts about it. And I'm like, did we all just collectively forget about this until like last week? I don't understand what's happening here. <laughs> you mean Halloween? Well, listen, it's continuous. Halloween is continuous. <laughs> it's always For this, within this community, Halloween is continuous. I, I would like to oh. think that our band is pretty much just a constant state of Halloween. Yeah. Yeah. Which is probably why I like the sound of it so much. Uh and, and the sound of like early panic and the sound of Venetia Fair is like, oh, this is all that sort of like weird serial killer Victorian era Hell type yeah. shit that it's like, yeah, thank you. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> These are words that like I feel like we always have trouble describing our music because we do come from such like different backgrounds like we all liked a lot of the same bands and stuff growing up but like you know we have these jazz influences as well and you know some of us have classical training and you know Keenan plays in a wedding band on the weekend so he plays like all this funk guitar that I'm like mm -hmm. I don't know how that happens <laughs> <laughs> guitar is like magic to me but um I think you know we struggle to describe it ourselves and i think we end up with more of like a word cloud with things like serial killer and victorian era <laughs> and like 1930s black <laughs> like yeah, serial victorian adjacent yeah. yeah so right right there. that that might put you on a list of either <laughs> Like yeah. we need to investigate sure or great band. I'm, I'm probably already on a few, so <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, I'm collecting them at this point. So, yeah. Collecting list positions. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we should also mention that there are, if if my if my current count is up to date, seven people in your band. There are seven people in our band. We have a, a me, I sing, and then we have a violin player, a viola player, Beth plays keys, Max plays bass. We have Keenan on guitar and Carlos on drums. So, damn. That's so, and I asked you this before before we started recording, but I want to talk about it because it just always concerns me and interests me. <laughs> How do you get seven people to do something at the same time in the same place, and like it works? <laughs> How do you do that? I mean, concerning oh is the a good word for it. <laughs> I mean, it's like herding cats. That's what it is. I mean, it's, yeah. we all, you know, play gigs. We all have, you know, other stuff going on. And then, you know, we all do this and we love this and are passionate about it. So we find these little <laughs> times mm -hmm. throughout the week that, you know, I mean, we were just planning a couple of things that, you know, we're getting ready to get together for. And it was like, okay, well, can we break it into two Saturdays? Can we, you know, because that's, you know, how we make it work and people try to stay flexible for it. And we're just kind of, it's like herding cats, getting all seven of us <laughs> together in one place is a rarity. <laughs> yeah. We, we like didn't have our Google calendar for like a month and like all of our schedule fell apart and nobody knew what was happening. <laughs> I think yeah. we're also lucky too, because it's just that all of us get along really well. I've been in mm -hmm. band with two or three people in them and I, they were more dysfunctional somehow than like the seven of us are. So I think in a way we just also got really lucky that 
all of us genuinely really like being around each other so we make it work which is cool. yeah. it's a family yeah it really is we get together and we want to get together to rehearse and hang out and have pizza and carlos makes some kick-ass <laughs> yeah we had spaghetti night the other night and it was awesome wow. yeah. so, oh, so good yeah like, do you even want to play music after eating spaghetti, though? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I feel like I'm like, I'm heavy. I need a nap. <laughs> Once you get some wine in you, you're fine. Okay, fair. Yeah. Uh, do you feel like, like when you're when you're hanging out and you're you're jamming, you're playing music? Is it is it wine? Is it whiskey? Is it like what is the uh, the drink of choice then at rehearsal? Um, I think that all of us, we're kind of different for what we drink. Like Beth is pretty much a wine drinker. I know that. Um, I've been <laughs> that it's yeah. a red solo cup. It could literally be anything. Yeah, it really could. It's a guessing game. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much, I'll drink anything. I'm a big fan of classic cocktails. Surprisingly, mm -hmm. no one. Um, I, I love like vintage <laughs> shit. So like, I'm really, I'm a big fan right now of Prohibition cocktails. Um, okay. I'm drinking Boulevardier right now. So oh, yeah. that's, that's where Ooh. I'm at. Hell yeah. Yeah, I mean I'll drink I'll drink anything too, but my favorite is whiskey. I'll drink anything with whiskey in it. So yeah. both the answer to the question. <laughs> Everything. <laughs> Everything. <laughs> what is available, I'll have all of that. Put it in front of me and I'll drink it. <laughs> <sighs> it's a dangerous life to live, but it is the life we choose. Like jumped on to take this um to Heart Records too earlier this year, right? To release Good Gracious Bad People. Uh, last year, actually, we year, we okay. released um, we released our our last album Red Hot and Holy on Take This to Heart as well. That was last year. It came out uh, around March of last year, and that was our first release with them. And yeah, this yeah. second album on Take This to Heart. So yeah. How has that like process been? Because, you know, I guess you've been, you were obviously doing it DIY before. How has it kind of shaped it and changed it? Because I know at least y'all have on the site for like, you know, I don't want to be a merch peddler, but it was kind of cool to see that you guys had like a mixology book to go with it. Yeah, you know, that's cool. It, that's like, cool. It, again, like going with your prohibition drinks, yeah. everybody seems to be really into this big Victorian kind of like Southern theatrical goth vibe is how I've explained you to my friends before. I yeah, really good. that's more, you know, <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, think that's just so cool. Thanks. Yeah, no, I mean, honestly, I we can't talk up take this so hard enough. I mean, uh, all the all the people there have been really receptive to everything that we wanted to do. The mixology book that you brought up, I mean, that was literally a phone call I had with the label where I said, you know, it'd be really cool if we had like a drink recipe book that we could pair with the album. And they were like, yeah, let's do it. And I was like, really? Um, <laughs> they were like super receptive to all our weird ideas and then we like <laughs> yeah that one and it, now we have the the recipe book it's so awesome yeah that's legit. and 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 they've the great thing about take this to heart is you always hear stories of labels that like they the the guy in the suit swoops in he's like you have to make an album full of this and this we've never had that with take this to heart they've trusted us no. completely to go into the studio make an album and give us the flexibility to, to make the choices that we want to make for our band and do what we want to do. And that's pretty rare and, and pretty awesome to have from a label. Absolutely. I would think with the kind of music you guys do, it'd be more of a, of a thing to let those kind of weird ideas float to the surface and to happen. I mean, it, there are a lot of theatrical bands, like we said, like early panic at the disco and that where it's like, 
the weird ideas what was was what brought people to them what brought the audience in was like oh i love this band it's like creepy and weird i'm putting that in quotes because i'm like that was just my life so i'm like oh yeah like you're doing you're doing that stuff that i am used to so to me it's not weird but like it, it is that sort of thing where you're like st- setting yourselves apart from the sort of everything else that's happening and you're sort of standing out with that sort of stuff so i'd assume that you know the weird ideas probably got you to this point <laughs> i mean I, I hope so i think i don't know if any of us know how not to be weird so i'm really glad that worked out for us so you wouldn't really know how to operate if we weren't being our strange eccentric self yeah for real <laughs> as that is very fair and honestly like yeah. i feel like we've been very fortunate with a community like that where it's like Lizzie and I are just so strange. So it's like, good to hear that. It's like, Hey, there's, there's hope for you yet. If you are a strange person and are very passionate about what you do, there's hope for you yet. There's a community for you. That's why we call it here. The cult slash club. So also you can add that into your repertoire of loud words. (laughs) Nice. nice. Oh boy. I, I, I aspire to be a charismatic cult leader one day. So. Well, absolutely. Now, here's the thing. Are you are we talking about like a classic charismatic cult leader? Or are we talking like Jared Leto? Uh, no, I make good music. Damn. Shots fired. Jared Leto's about to come into this for no reason, completely unprompted. Jared Leto is going to be... Jared Leto was unaware of coronavirus for like months because he was just on like a weird (laughs) self-retreat in on an island. He's like, what? What's happening? I read about that. Yeah. How strange it could be Jared Leto. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but like how beautiful that would have been. Again, though. So like, let's let's be Uh, real. There's a lot of other things. I I do like Jared Leto and I do like 30 Seconds to Mars and I'll put myself out there with it. I can't even lie, I really love a lot of 30 Seconds to Mars songs. Yeah, like the early (laughs) stuff was great. They are. Yeah, for sure. Someone described them as maximalist, like rather than like, it's like around the same time when I was like listening to Lord and it was like, this is minimalist pop, this is minimalist alternative. And it's like, 30 seconds to Mars, maximalist. Like, if I can find another <laughs> instrument, I will put it into this. And I love that idea. You kind of have to love, like, how much they lean into the absurdity of some of their shit. Like, I remember that one video where they, like, become samurai. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like an army of, like, 400 people that's, like, it's insane. And you're like, it's, well, I mean. Like, what am I going to do? <laughs> <laughs> I don't have the resources to hire that many samurai. <laughs> I mean, I like, if someone was like, hey, we're going to give you like a $25 million budget and you can do whatever you want, I'd be like, yeah, I think I want to go like film like a samurai film like in Japan. Yeah. That'd be cool. Hell yeah. Yeah. So, this this band would make it so weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Seven people's worth of ideas. <laughs> oh, samurai. yeah. Yeah. We start with samurais. Mm-hmm. On the on the topic of cults, I want to ask if you have all seen the show The Vow because this is my like most current understanding of of cult leaders, and I'm very concerned about calling ourselves a cult or using the term cult and being like, oh, but you The Vow like, though. Did you not listen to any of those Jonestown's podcasts that I listened to in a row, and you were just? Uh, no, really? I did not listen to this. Not? I did not okay. listen to those with you. <laughs> I have no- uh, I have not watched The Vow, but I did finish a documentary on Jonestown recently, and okay. uh, that was that was pretty wild. So, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I have not the cult leaders we want to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't fight the Jonestown cult. That's yeah, not, no, absolutely fucking not. That's a bad. Yeah. That's a bad. Bad direction to take your yeah, brand. Yeah, that's bad. Okay. I I know that they're that's... technically our neighbors in Indiana, but also, first of all, it's Indiana. <laughs> we also we don't want to be like anything else in Indiana. Why would we yeah, pick that? <laughs> I don't want to insult Indiana on your podcast. On your podcast. Oh, Never I'll been do there. it. So, oh, okay. I'll fire some shots off on this podcast. Yo, Indiana, come at me, bro. <laughs> I'll, I'll take a whole state on. I don't give a shit. Oh my God. Uh, I'll watch. So th- <laughs> I'll watch that. Yeah, yo, you'll, you'll I pay for view that shit. On Twitter, because I'm the one on Twitter, and you're not. And then you're Indiana. Like, How's it going on Twitter with Indiana? Indiana, whenever you guys figure out Twitter, go talk to Lizzie. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, so the vow is is a a cult that was based around corporate retreats kind of thing. So it was like a lot of uh, like this is how to be a better manager. This is how to be a better thought leader in your organization. So you you pay for uh, uh, you know sending everybody in your company to a retreat and they'd all experience this thing and then they'd start bringing in more uh, uh, people to be a part of the organization itself. They would call their leader. Uh, uh, oh fuck! What's the name of it? It's something with a P, but it's like they 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 basically like worship this guy who said, "I have a 200 IQ or whatever, super high IQ," and he like then just becomes like this manipulator, and he starts attracting people from Hollywood, and so all these Hollywood actresses come in and they start convincing other people, and it's it's a lot of people who are like, I never got to where I wanted in my career, but now this makes me feel good. And you listen to him like talk. Multi-level marketing scheme. It is 100% heard. just multi-level marketing, but it's like it led to a sex cult. And I'm like, how did that happen? <laughs> it's fucking wild. It is a very slow show. It takes a long time to get into it, and considering the podcast that Lizzie tries to, to send me, I'm like, this isn't as... Uh, uh, like you don't get a lot of the scandal in it you hear about a lot of the scandal but you don't get a lot of the scandal it's more like how are we going to take this whole thing down uh it's worth a watch but it's certainly like the the concern is like we're using this term cult and it's like i'm just trying to hang out with my friends (laughs) i'm just trying to do a podcast (laughs) i think you're safe i don't i don't think you're gonna you're gonna like lead anyone down a dark brainwashed path you can if that's what you, do. you can if you want i don't think i can if i want but i no. i also don't think i, I mean I, my anxiety level is way too high to handle that kind of responsibility i'll, I'll give you lessons sometime <laughs> thank you i need lessons in self-confidence so i can finally be the cult leader cult leader that i deserve, that you deserve to, be. to be that jared leto would want you to be <laughs> Jerry Leto would be like, that guy's in a cult. <laughs> it's been months. I had no idea. Oh. I imagine oh, that's how Jerry Leto talk. I have no idea. <laughs> also, side note, 30 Seconds to Mars, fantastic live show. Just throwing that out there, too. They got a lot of money. I called them at a festival a few years ago, and they were really cool. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, a lot of money, a lot of Hollywood money being put into that. <laughs> yeah. I did want to know it. 
I, I really like how in your like description in general on like your Facebook and just like your you know basic like band info pages, it says that you're the band that played at Jay Gatsby's funeral, and I'm a big like Great Gatsby nerd, so I, I thought that was like fucking cool. That like got me right there. Yeah, that, that's we've kept that in our bio pretty much since the band started, and I I've always enjoyed throwing that out there. So, yeah, yep, it's a good Thank visual. Yeah. I imagine just that, <laughs> like the Leo meme of him holding the glass up and the green light in the distance. and Exactly. Yeah, I think of that meme every time I, I read our bio. And I always think maybe <laughs> I should eventually take that out of our bio because it's been in it for like four years. But I think it speaks the band and describes the band really well. Yeah. So, yeah. You need a meme of like him with that, him with that meme, but in a black suit instead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. exactly. But when, um, what was the kind of like the thought process of starting this type of band, especially if you guys started like four years ago, this wasn't, this hasn't been the type of like music that has been kind of made and produced so frequently as it was in like the early mid 2000s. So what was kind of like the push to have this type of project come to life? Yeah, well, you know, it kind of was a happy accident. I, I started the band five years ago as a solo project and at the time, I, I really never thought that I was going to do music seriously again. I was in a band before this that had played around the South for like 10 years. And then I moved away from Atlanta for about a year. And I was like, that's it. I'm really not going to do music again, whatever. Uh, then my career kind of brought me back to Atlanta. And I was like, I'll just do like a solo thing for fun. I'll play all the instruments. And, um, I, uh, I, I did this demo that was just myself. And then Keenan, who I kind of knew through the music scene here, he was the one that was in my ear really trying to convince me to like make it a band and, and do a thing again. And that's when the gears started turning and, and we started making music and trying to figure out what we wanted to do. And I grew up in Atlanta and New Orleans. So I've always had like a lot of jazz and sort of spooky jazz and that Southern gospel kind of vibe. And of course, I'm a fan of, of bands like uh, Panic and the Disco, and I was a really big fan of the, the self-titled Dress and Dolls record when I was growing up. Yes. And on top of that, I, I love 30s jazz, and um, I think that, that the idea that I had in my head was, you know, there, there seemed to be a lot of bands that kind of leaned a little bit into being theatrical. I really wanted to try to do something that took it a little bit further. And that's kind of how this band came into play. And then we we made our first record and I met Susie and Courtney who are string players and Beth and Maddox and everything kind of came into place and fell into where it is now like that. That's awesome. I love, I love Dresden Dolls, by the way. I just wanted to add that in there too. <laughs> I was going to say it sounds a little Dresden Dolly, but with a lot more instrumentation, it's hard to be like you're comparing to Dresden Dolls because it's like there's 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 more than two instruments here. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a great record, you know, and I, I love that and I love stuff like Cursive, you know, any band that can like utilize strings and, and things like cellos and violins and violas, I, I love that kind of stuff. Murder by Death. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, Murder by Death. I was supposed to go to the, um to one of their Thalia Hall shows, um, but then COVID hit and it was very yeah. exciting. They're a great band. It's, they're amazing life. Mm. Yeah. Remember shows? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Places? Yeah. Human interaction <laughs> would recommend if I could. <laughs> <laughs>
This month, Our Music My Body hosts some virtual events in partnership with Amplify Her Voice to raise awareness and funds for local, independent venues. On November 19th is a conversation about intersectionality and social justice movements. Make sure you follow Our Music My Body on Facebook and Instagram to know when they have Friday venue fundraisers to help your favorite stages stay alive during COVID. Visit www.ourmusicmybody.org for more information and to register for these virtual discussions and to save our stages. Uh, but I really enjoyed Good Gracious Bad People. And when I was doing kind of more research on the band, I was kind of surprised that y'all wanted to kind of be apolitical in your music. I mean, obviously, when I was listening to some of the songs, I was like, oh, there's a little bit here. But in general, you've always said, like, you just kind of want it to be like, not like escapism in a sense. Like, you're listening to a story being told rather than... And like putting yourself in a different place, whether rather than being in the hot mess that is reality, mm. and I find it be super interesting. Well, yeah, I think there's there's a, a misunderstanding. It got printed in a in an interview once that we want to be apolitical, and I don't know if that's necessarily true. I think that my take has always been if there's a band that's talking about something, and I feel like they're discussing it better than we could. I'm not really sure that like, I, I would want to try to say it in a way that was unique to us and was offering something new to the conversation. We've been political in some capacity before, like on our last record, we have a song called Dig a Fancy Grave, which I think you could argue is fairly political. Um, and we, and I think a lot of our other songs talk about political things, but they might not necessarily be obvious politics in the way that we think of, you know, issues that are sort of on the forefront of people's minds today. Um, but in general, I think that that there we've sort of found that our lane is um, storytelling and and being fantastical and creating an escape for people within um, within our music scene. But that's not to say that we don't believe in cultivating a safe space, especially for queer people. And we say that at every show. The, one of the first things I'll say on stage any show we play is that this is a safe space for anyone in the LGBTQ community. And I will go out of my way if I know that there's a queer kid that's coming up to us and talking to us. They look like they need someone to talk to. I'll spend extra time and, and give them resources. So we're not apolitical in the sense that we don't we don't um, advocate and believe strongly in uh, in cultivating a, a unique and safe space for the queer community, especially within our music scene. We just want to. Um, I don't think that we were as an obviously political band in the same capacity that a band like Against Me would be in the same yeah. you know? Um, and they're awesome, but they do what they do really well. And I feel like we do what we do really well. Or maybe we don't it. do really well, but we do it. So fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Has it been, uh, without setting off any landmines or anything, but has it been interesting in the South? <laughs> Lord. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yes. 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 <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> no, I mean, I, yeah, we, I, I, I've been interested in like the discussions of, uh, I don't want to say North versus South because it's, it's not North versus South. It's just like different communities and different, different people living different experiences in different cities is kind of how I've seen it. Um, but obviously, like we are in Chicago, we're in the North. We feel like we are pretty 
safely in a liberal hotbed of, of we're all good and we all pretty much share the same opinion, which we've also found yeah. is clearly not the case, but so, always so, interested in, in that. Yeah, to, to, to throw in there, I think there's a big misconception about the South. And I think that we've learned that, right, especially in this last election, right? I think, um, you know, I, I've lived a lot of places in my life. I've lived in Boston. I've lived in Maine. I've lived in D.C. I've lived in San Francisco um, last year. If you listen to the record, you know, that that's true. Mm -hmm. um, and one thing I've learned, especially when I leave sort of south of Appalachia and go anywhere else in America, there's this conception that Georgia is sort of this like hotbed of like only conservative thinkers and nothing could be further from the truth about our state. Um, and I, I mean, the fact that our state, it, not even talking about my own politics and I won't get into that on this, but like mm -hmm. the idea that Georgia is just a conservative place that sort of is full of, of backwards ideals it, and not to say that that's a characterization of conservatives or whatever, but um, isn't really true. I mean, Atlanta is one of the most progressive cities in the country. Mm -hmm. um, the county that it's in, Fulton County, voted overwhelmingly for Joe Biden in the last election, voted overwhelmingly Democratic in almost every election it has, has one of the largest populations of LGBTQ people in the country. Um, so I, I, I've always found that this, this, this narrative of like North versus South or East Coast versus West Coast or everything, I, I don't know if it's applicable to the South and, and Southern America in general, but I've certainly, in my own experiences growing up in Georgia, have not found that, that um, there's a lack of, of young people, especially that have very progressive ideals and believe in equality. That's not to say that there isn't... Um, a lot of very loud voices that are anti-LGBTQ in the South. And I don't want to downplay that at all. But I think that a lot of people don't realize that, I think it's kind of like what Stacey Abrams said, um, that, it, well, it, well, it's like this in the AFC said, um, that, that Atlanta is not a red state, it's a voter suppressed state. Now, um, I won't interject my opinion on that, but I'll leave that to like people to think about, you know? Yeah. Yeah, like uh, going off what Sarah said, I, I'm actually like from the north. Uh, I moved to Georgia like like 14, and I'm I totally thought I like my, my entire life the South was always just generalized. Mm -hmm. And um, when I came here, I was extremely pleasantly surprised to like grow up through like my like pivotal years with a really strong community, a really like like a lgbtq backbone in my community and it was amazing and like that's right here in atlanta and i'm in fulton county and our pride festival is amazing every year we have so much support and love in the city and you just don't know that when you're in the north and you don't come down here and see it for yourself i feel like there's just too much generalization and there's too much um there's too many voices that you hear coming from georgia that don't reflect who we actually are yeah yeah i mean i i um well, you know, the thing is, well, if you look at the, the music scene in Atlanta, there's so many, I mean, we were saying this in another interview the other day, if you, if a band, if you, if a band tells you they're from Atlanta, you never know what kind of music they play, right? <laughs> because the music scene here is so eclectic. I mean, we have arguably the biggest hip hop community in, in the country now. We're sort of leading that whole music movement. Mm -hmm. uh, incredible punk scene, huge queer music scene, and like, 
us fucking weirdness came out of it. So there must be something progressive going on within the city of Atlanta for this kind of art to be cultivated within it, you know? I definitely, um, I started going down to Shaky Knees Music Festival a couple of years ago, and I was very, it's like one of my favorite festivals now. It's I went because the Dillard came back. So. It's awesome. Yeah, it's one of the it best is, yeah. country, for sure. And I always, I'd never really gone to the South other than to like Florida for Disney World. And then I have family in some parts of Texas, but in like El Paso because we're Mexican. And then um, I've been to Arkansas and then I was like, I'm not coming back to Arkansas again. So I was like really <laughs> nervous um, about what was going to happen. But when I stayed in Atlanta, I was like, oh, this is really cool. This is very like, you know, city. It, it just reminded me of Chicago in a sense, just, you know, a little bit smaller, obviously, to an extent. And I think you know, you saying and quoting Stacey Abrams as well to say, hey, this is a voter suppression state. We would be blue if we didn't have all these restrictions and gerrymandering and other things that were going on to kind of pull out and say, these people are here and they need to be listened to and have the ability to do so. And, you know, to also include that there's a large, you know, supportive community for LGBTQ people too is also amazing to hear and to know that that's happening in Atlanta in this area that it's usually so misconstrued. Yeah. And, you know, I think Atlanta, there's a saying in Atlanta that has taken on a lot of popularity, especially in the last couple of years. Uh, Atlanta isn't perfect and it's not a perfect city. I think it's a city that's still in a lot of ways trying to figure out what kind of city it wants to be, um, especially because our generation, we sort of, at least statistically, we've rejected the idea of suburban living in a lot of ways. And a lot of us uh, as millennials, you know, sort of children of boomers have moved back into the Atlanta area from the suburbs outside of it. We call it inside the perimeter here. We, um, so a lot of us have moved inside the perimeter. So you see this younger generation in Atlanta really trying to give the city identity and give it culture and, and figure out what Atlanta could be, you know, going into the next century. And that's really exciting to me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that's a lot of what's happening really is that you know, our generation is finally getting to have a say in what's going on. You know, like we get to run for office now and we get to, you know, make decisions on what goes in what building, you know, there's a um, building downtown, um, um, Sarah, I can't remember the Coca-Cola building, they moved, right? And that building sits there empty by masquerade. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, it was the, the old world, the Coke building, um, moved, mm -hmm. uh, down to a different location, downtown it's empty. And there, there's, um, there's a push right now by, by young activists in the city to make it like a Georgia history center of some kind, mm -hmm. which is pretty cool. Yeah. So. And like it's that kind of stuff that like you know some of these buildings that have been there forever i took field trips there when i was a kid and you know as with my third grade class or whatever and now they sit empty and we get to make the choice on what happens next with those buildings and uh, you know that's a lot of that is happening within the perimeter um but it's it's expanding past that and that i think is newer you know i think there's um i think there's just more of our generation that's just is ready for things to be a little different and <laughs> yeah. yeah we saw yeah. it this past summer yeah yeah, yeah. people yeah. are <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs>
That's really cool, especially, you know, just to keep talking about the LGBTQ community because you are a band of all queer individuals as what? well. Who told? We're breaking news here on the oh, Emo man, Social Club podcast. I don't know how I'm going to cope with this information. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Listen. Yeah, it's a bad news, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for interrupting you. No, you're totally <laughs> No, because you guys are like, you know, an all queer band and you, you know, have this platform to be able to in you know introduce a lot of this to people who maybe wouldn't have that type of you know background or introduction to different people like um who are in the lgbtq community and also just you know be a figure as well and to be a safe space for people too and how has that kind of played into creating your music and then also just you know being artists within yourself yeah well i mean you know, every, every song that I write lyrically, musically, anything, I mean, it comes from a life experience and I, I would probably be remiss to say that my, my transitioning and being a non-binary person that leans femme and um, being pansexual uh, wouldn't have some kind of uh, big theory and like any of that wouldn't be a, a, an impact on how I write music and how I, how I see the world. Um, we in the band typically don't, I, I've written a few times in, in songs, but it's been rare for me to talk directly about my transitioning and um, my queer experience. Uh, again, because I, I feel like there are other bands that have articulated it better than I could have. And also I, I don't know if that's sort of the role that our band plays, um, at, like a band like Against Me. But uh, as far as the queer experience that, that I've had has gone speaking for myself, I mean, just knowing what it was like to be a young person that was struggling to come out and uh, find a place in the music scene, we've always tried to say to kids that, you know, we're an openly queer band. You know, this is a place that we want you to feel feel welcome. We encourage our our queer followers to express their creativity. We want them to know that they can do that around the band anytime that they want to. Um, so that that's been my experience, you know, just sort of as a as an openly non-binary person. I I think that I felt a responsibility, and I'm sure the band feels the same way that that we we need to use our platform to empower queer voices and 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 shine a light on them in our community. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my my personal experience is just like, I mean, for lack of a better word, just to exist and be queer, be an openly transgender man, um, and just be kind of like that person that I didn't have growing up. You can kind of, I just kind of want to just help anybody know that, you know, you can do it. You can be whoever you are and do what you want to do. And uh, if anybody ever comes to me, I'm happy to talk to them and everything. And I just, I just, just like Sarah said, just being a voice in the community is important. I think it's very interesting about how 2020 has kind of rolled out and everything that's happened this year is that there's a much more, like people are much more interested in bands that don't look the same, music that doesn't look the same, music that comes from a wide range of voices. Uh, we are, we're big fans of a band called Meet Me at the Altar as well. And like how oh, these it. are, 
They're yeah. so good. They're so yeah. great. Awesome. So it's 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 uh you know is it three girls that are in the band, Lizzie? Yeah, because I think they put out a video and I was confused. I'm like, who's this fourth person? Or it might have just been the same person twice. I don't know. I don't know how they made the video. Look, it's a hard time to put out video content right now with a full band. You got, you got to tell me about it. Yeah. So you'd you'd have to record seven different videos and put them all together into a cohesive product at the end. So I can only imagine it's harder for you. Um, But like three, three girls who are saying no one looked like us in the music we grew up listening to. And we want to be that band for somebody else. And I'm hearing from so many people now who are just fans of music. Like it is incredible to see bands that look different than every other fucking band that everybody had to grow up with. I mean, we mentioned all the bands that are are an influence in your band are all generally uh, bands of white guys, which is not for lack of it's, it's just the fact that they are. It's not for lack of, you know, there weren't other bands that were out there. But I certainly think that. 2020 has taught us like it's time for a more wide ranging musical diet than just the the straight heteronormative white dudes on stage just performing songs about girls that broke their heart in high school. Just <laughs> a stereotype that we make, but it's like it, it, it it's just there's so much of that pervading in the scene. And so now that there are more bands and people want to see more bands, I think that's really exciting. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you see that that the tide is shifting a lot and that that's sort of all-encompassing, right? I think that you see uh, people being threatened in music journalism in a lot of ways. A lot of masculine voices in music journalism are very threatened by the idea of, of queer bands sort of out there expressing themselves. And I think that um, there's a lot of masculine voices that are very threatened by people invading music spaces with queer and femme voices and I think it's kind of cool to see that that clash and that rebellion happen happening and more queer queer voices sort of getting a platform um I mean even 10 years ago when I was sort of playing in my old band the idea of like being an openly queer band that was getting relegated so often to like the DIY scene and that's not to not the DIY scene but Mm -hmm those kind of bands would be playing like basements and things and, and getting signed to lo-fi labels. And now you see openly queer artists, you know, really competing in a lot of ways for mainstream attention and, and being part of the mainstream conversation of music. And I think that's really exciting. I remember there was a, I, I don't remember if it was an alternative press or some, some artist in like the pop punk emo alternative scene like that was like there are a bunch of artists that are in bands that everybody loves who are not out as whatever they are i I don't remember specifically like what they were saying if they were like whatever but uh it was it was very strange to read that at the time and be like why and knowing now that there's like this bigger shift to like it is more acceptable put that in quotes because I'm like I to me it was always acceptable but like is it more cult is it more like culturally acceptable is it more uh economically acceptable like to be a band that like can actually have a career in music being that where it wasn't so much in the past too do you think that like the economics of it has, has maybe affected why we didn't have so many bands like that in the past how capitalist of you look at you I butt. listen listen um 
I watched a very and I watched the social dilemma last night, and I'm like, I need y'all to just say capitalism is ruining it. I'm like, I need y'all to be like, yo, capitalism is ruining this country. I need y'all to say it. Say that, but because I work for, I am a journalist, but I, I'm not a journalist. I'll say it. All the not a journalist either. All the non-journalists feel comfortable. Only my opinion. That's, yeah. that's why I, I that's why I uh comment the p- more political stuff on the podcast Twitter so no one can try to check me down on my personal yeah. Twitter. Yeah, I, <laughs> say I, it's I, me. I, I will say that if there's ever a question on here that I'm not answering that's political, it's mostly because in my my day job I work as a journalist try to keep my political opinion to the wayside, but I would say that if you're curious what I believe, you can probably defer it from our lyric. Um you're asking me about the economics of being a queer band. I don't know. I mean, honestly, <laughs> the last thing I think about when when we're making music is the economics of, of whether or not it makes sense to be viable. I mean, that that's sort of like and I mean, when when you're a queer person and and the idea is all I want to do is be able to make music like everyone else, you don't really have the luxury of, of thinking like, what are the economics of my ability to <laughs> right. art and exist in this space? You're just thinking, man, I really fucking hope that I can play this fucking show without someone calling me a slur tonight. You know, so that that sort of, that's the only thought process that, that I think we've ever had has been like, you know, we're lucky to get to do it. We're lucky that a label took a chance on us and like did it. Um, we would be doing it, I think, as a band regardless of the economics you know so mm-hmm. i think that that it's really flattering and really humbling that like we get to make things and make things like the mixology kit right and mm-hmm. and and get to sell stuff but um we would be touring and playing shows even regardless of the economics and, and causing problems for people so I, i'm glad <laughs> that it's more economically viable now for people but um there's always been a queer underground there's always been mm-hmm. A viable queer community. I mean, the the New York punk rock scene started as a queer commune. So, you know, uh, I think that that it's less a question about economics, more a question about viability. And I think now people are just seeing that the queer community has been viable for thirty years, and now people are starting to pay attention to it. Also, eat Bezos. I'm just saying from the chat as well. <laughs> we we pretty consistently say we should eat the rich. So it's it's. It is again only the non-journalist opinion in this call right now, <laughs> but also Jeff Bezos looks like he's kind of tasty. <laughs> Not really. I don't know. He's gonna need a lot of spices. Oh, it's throw. It's yeah. you know you season the shit out of it, but you 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 enjoy. <laughs> a, all right, listen. I'm moving off this metaphor. Don't don't worry. About, don't worry about it in the chat. Don't worry about this. <laughs> Um, this is what happens when we let Brian stay up too late. I stay up <laughs> late all the time saying yeah, this exact same shit. You're right. You're right. I'm worried. <laughs> Lizzie. Yeah, I, I said it was a crazy show. Uh, it's a crazy movie. And then I didn't follow up what was crazy about it because I fell asleep. And I'm like, oh, right. I forgot to send that text. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's fucking wild. <laughs> I will say, but before we start to segue out a little bit, I did want to yes. talk a little bit more about the new album, Good Gracious Bad People. And it came oh. out in a very timely matter on October 30th. It did, yeah. Big vibes. 
What? How we was that? We vibes. We know what we're about. Yeah, big vibes. <laughs> big vibey vibes. Big spooky vibes. Yeah. What was the process of that like, especially going through this release during quarantine? Obviously, it seems like y'all are able to kind of, you're like, you know, you're a band family, so you guys are kind of cohesively together, obviously, safely. I'm assuming in a sense. Uh, but how did all of this kind of fall together? And then what were some of the, like, in, more of, like, when you're developing, like, music videos, too? I always thought that they were, like, really cool. And also, they had, like, such an immersive storyline. Thanks. It reminds me of, like, me watching, like, an ID channel story, to a sense. Which, I mean, I, I personally enjoy. I'm not a serial killer, but... um. <laughs> You shouldn't have to say that on the chat. And I'm starting to really worry about you too. I promise you, I'm fine. But if I say anything, it's coming from her. That is what a serial killer would say. Yeah, absolutely. That's my criminal justice degree. That's it. Do do you read us as serial killers then? And your name is Brian, which is already suspect. So I oh, oh, yeah. Listen, I was in electrical doing wires. I am, <laughs> I am the most boring. No, that even sounds that even sounds like something you'd yeah, say as a serial killer. You're doing like, yourself no favors right now. Right? I nothing I have is going to do me any favors. <laughs> There's nothing I can do. Like as long as one comment away from you like yeah and i work as a clown i go to like people's yeah. like, i just i'm I, we gotta i don't i don't trust it he, he's I gonna mean, pull out a red nose and be like hong kong yeah. let's go <laughs> <laughs> i mean just because i work in close proximity to a lot of power tools is it, anyway lizzie ask your question <laughs> I don't. I just want to make sure that it is very clear for all the non-journalists in the chat that I am not a serial killer. <laughs> Looks directly into camera. Anyway. I I've had called on myself. I'm like, we got to investigate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. The new album is great. Thank How you. was it developing? <laughs> yeah. So we, um, oh my God. we recorded it last year. Um, we recorded it in October 2019. Uh, in Cleveland, Ohio. Um, we all flew up there and we worked with Jim Wart, who is behind some albums like something corporate, Fiona Apple. He did the Incubus records that everyone loves. Um, and it was really great. We, we, it was really out of our comfort zone. We sort of produced our last record before that one um, with ourselves and our producer, Aaron Pace. And we did it at home and we did it over the course of a year because we weren't signed at the time when before it was out and we kind of could just work on it as we wanted to then this record came out and we had to write the record in three months and record it in like a month so yeah, big day nine energy and, big we, day. Were, and we were we were away from home so it was like sort of a crash course and being away from something familiar and having to you know just focus on making music every day but it was pretty cool like i mean you get to wake up and just focus on making the record every day that's kind of like the dream life which is pretty i cool. loved that aspect yeah 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 like, and, and, gotta go to work <laughs> i guess <laughs> this is work <laughs> yeah yeah and so it, it was pretty cool i mean um and we love cleveland is a really cool city it was the first time any of us being there and we had a really good time being there yeah, um, yeah it was awesome yeah, so that it was fun, and then the, we got done with the record, and then the pandemic happened, and it was sort of trying to navigate 
how to put out an album when you can't play shows, you can't tour. Um, and we had, it was a bummer for us because we were in a conversation with a fairly big band and we were talking about doing a tour with them and it ended up not happening because of the pandemic. So um, yeah, we just kind of had to roll this, which was cool, so. Yeah, I mean, somehow the summer has managed to be like busier than ever before <laughs> with everything <laughs> that we've had to do and how carefully we've had to do it all. Yeah, it's, it's been, been a uh, process. For yeah, sure. it's been wild <laughs> getting ready for this. Yeah. Yeah, we got to the point where, you know, we had to make, we were making music videos over the summer. And so we got to the point that, you know, we had schedules of, you know, we wanted to keep a minimal amount of people that were, you know, recording and with the camera crew or <laughs> like two people. <laughs> so we were trying to keep yeah. it three people. And when one of us left, the next one would come in and, you know, we had, you know, everyone needed to wear masks except for this person who was going to be on camera. And then they'd put, you know, like, it took a lot of extra planning. And I don't know, like music videos are a lot of planning. <laughs> so <laughs> it was a thing that we had to like figure out how to do, but we, we did. Um, and um, yeah, got music videos out this summer. I think we're all still a little like, oh shit, we finished it. Well, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, yeah. It's done. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what was the music video for? That was, that was the dumbest question I could ask. That was just a very straightforward, like, dumb question. Uh, which song was the music video for? <laughs> uh, we, we have a, we have a lot. We have, we, have, uh, oh. we have five music videos out right now. We have um, a video out for your, your Cashman Soda. Um, then we have one out for Sick on 7th Street. We have one out for uh, Last Rodeo. Uh, we have one out for Swings of Fun, Old Man McGrady's River, and one out for When Oscar Fish Comes to Town. So, And those were all filmed over the summer? They were all filmed, uh, not this all of them. So we, we dropped uh, Scotch actually on New Year's Day because we thought it was going to be like a fun prohibition yeah. era, uh, Roaring Twenties time. And then it, it was the Roaring Twenties, but more the Spanish. <laughs> yeah, we got the pandemic yeah. part right. Just like yeah. <laughs> so, um, so that didn't really work out the way we were hoping with the branding, but like, uh, <laughs> so we it earlier in the year and then we filmed some, everything's sick on seventh street onward. We filmed as the pandemic had sort of started and that was a interesting experience. So. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. That's we'll still see. really impressive to have all those music videos out yeah. so quickly in comparison to a lot of other bands too. Yeah. It wasn't fun in a lot of ways. I mean, it was fun to make <laughs> But the, right. the Thick on 7th Street video is, I think, sort of like peak pandemic music video because we filmed it ourselves with our cameras individually, like as socially distanced as we could. It was it was literally filmed about like a week and a half into like peak pandemic, like right when it started in March. So we were all socially distancing ourselves. We were rotating schedule, rotating a schedule of like who's going to come in we filmed it at my house it was it was very intense and very strange and i don't think we would have made a video like that in any other circumstance but looking back and watching it now it's kind of like a neat time capsule of just like how weird that time was, you know and then susie edited the whole thing <laughs> yeah that's good. i i was just gonna say like that's it's gonna be weird to like the pandemic must end. It has to end eventually. And mm -hmm. so when it does, it's going to be really strange to look back and watch that video just because 
you know, we know that it was, you know, one of us was waiting out on the street while the other one was inside finishing their shots and then they would come out, they would wipe things down, the other one would go in, we would record some more, like, and I mean, that was just, you know, I think about that when I watched that video, because it was just like, what can we do with the very little we have to work with right now? <laughs> Everything's closed. Everything. Yeah. yeah, we like still couldn't find like hand sanitizer and toilet oh, paper okay. and stuff. Wow. Like that. I'm talking about like real, real yeah. shit time. Yeah. I like brought this coveted hand sanitizer and like Clorox wipes. Like, yeah, like be careful. We're like, oh my God, how'd you find that? <laughs> like everyone gets a squirt and a half. Use it wide. Yep. <laughs> We're rationing sanitizer. Yeah, that was pretty much what was happening. Like, oh, okay. that was really what was happening. Yep, that was real life. <laughs> if we run out of sanitizer, the video ends. We can't let it happen. <laughs> yep, we got to go with what we got. Where can everybody watch these videos? Where can everybody uh, go check out the music? Where can everybody find you? Uh, whether your, your band profiles or your personal profiles, if you want people to follow you as well, uh, I'll let you I'll let you plug yourselves. Um, yeah, well, our band can be found on Facebook at facebook.com slash Sarah and the Safe Word. Uh, our Instagram is Sarah and the Safe Word. Our Twitter is STSW Band. Um, we have a TikTok. It's Sarah and the Safe Word. Um, and uh, we have an OnlyFans. It's Sarah and the Safe Word. We don't have an OnlyFans. Uh, Listen, uh, it's the next thing. Even yeah. Maddox and I were like, wait, do we? <laughs> I was like, oh, Excuse shit. Me? We're doing that now? <laughs> uh, we have an insurance plan on healthcare.gov. Um, uh, Check it out. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it's only catastrophic insurance. It only helps if you get maimed by wild animals, but we're here for you. dollars. <laughs> you show up and like sing a song. Um, make you feel better. Yeah. yeah. We have a, we have I can't a that. Um, as far as my personal <laughs> stuff, uh, I have a live journal. I, I write a lot of... Uh, werewolf vampire vampire fan fiction on it it hasn't been updated in 14 years so good luck finding <laughs> <it>. <laughs> i'm oh, sure wait, my live journal's out is, there somewhere my real question is do you have a vampire freaks i did have a vampire freaks yeah yeah i did yeah let's see let's see there was a whole Listen, generation of people i, I <laughs> literally met a kid who was like two years younger than me like three years ago who has an active vampire freaks account and I just need to know if there are other people out there like him. Someone in the chat just asked if I have an AO3, and actually I do have an AO3 that I write X-Files fan fiction on. I'm never going to tell people what my name is. <laughs> so, yeah. Damn. Yep. So. Damn. Uh, do, Beth, Maddox, do you want to throw out uh, your personals or? No. I mean, uh, if, if you want to follow me for some reason, I'm just Maddox Rexton on everything. <laughs> I will I, not spell that. <laughs> I'm uh, flat the seven on uh, Twitter. Nothing. I don't update anything though. I just get on there when I want to complain about any particular. <laughs> I'm not a journalist, so here's. Anyone else in the band? <laughs> but oh yeah, get on Twitter to complain about yeah. politicians. So if you want some, you know, clever little. <laughs> our politicians at the seven on twitter on twitter <laughs> i did have a i did have a fat life for a while but then people that knew the band started finding it and that made me feel really uncomfortable so like now i, I don't have that so mm. good good job <laughs> so yeah so really impressed that people found it like good job <laughs> so. i imagine there's always going to be somebody who's like 
what else are you like, like now that you've mentioned the live journal with the fanfic there's going to be somebody who's like not only did i find it i enjoy it. Find it now someone's gonna find it i'm sure yeah yeah someone's now been it's challenged happened. now yeah, yeah. <laughs> Also now challenging them. Everybody who's watching yeah. this or listening to it later is like, oh, I gotta, I gotta go find that. Our fans are smart. I was reading our genius annotations this morning, and like people found things, and that I was like, wow, you guys are intelligent. So gonna, <laughs> I give them fifteen minutes, and they're gonna find my Ao3 account. So yeah. yeah. I also, before we go, wanted to mention like there is. There's some really funny parts in some of your songs, <laughs> like like actual comedy. And I'm like, wow, this is refreshing. Like there's jokes in a, in a song. And I love this. Uh, uh, we, we, we always say we don't take ourselves very seriously. And like, yeah, I, the bands that do are really fucking obnoxious. We've <laughs> so many, so many bands that are so their heads are so far up their own asses about <laughs> We're never going to be that band. We don't take ourselves very seriously and we laugh at ourselves all the time. So like, mm -hmm. whatever. We just do it, what we want to do and whatever comes naturally and it's always weird. Yeah. <laughs> it was uh, it was the line in, I can't remember the song, but it's the one where it's like the middle of nowhere. No, literally it's the middle of nowhere. The town is called middle of nowhere. She lives in a town called the middle of nowhere. And I'm like, this is yeah. fucking funny. This is good. Yeah. And I, I can only imagine like sitting there, like however you write the lyrics down, it's just like, Oh, the middle of nowhere. Uh, it's kind of played out. No, it's the middle of nowhere. It's, it's that's like, just, really like going like deep on it. The yeah. yeah. That, that was all. That was, I got a, it was a collaboration between me and Keenan because I think I had like two middle of nowheres in there. And then he was like, mm -hmm. just throw a third yeah, one in there. Yeah. That was you do that. So I remember being at band practice and you and Keenan were like, hey, we got to show you this song we wrote. And I was like, okay. And all you had was up through, I think through the first chorus. I think that was all you guys had. And there were some lyrics missing here and there, but y'all had this middle of nowhere bit and you guys were giggling to yourself like it'd be great and you sang through it and i remember you got through it and like you guys looked at us and we were like all right like <laughs> give this a go and then like once it started to come together we were all like oh my god this is brilliant this is awesome <laughs> so yeah in pre-pro it really just came together and it was just the funniest stuff. it just kept getting funnier and funnier and it became a running joke even throughout the entire recording session yeah. We, we would make ourselves laugh so much at our own shit. It's hilarious. Like when we were writing Formula 666, Beth, I don't know if you remember this, but <laughs> I do remember this. Um, so I, was, I was living in San Francisco at the time, and Beth and Keenan flew out um, to, to hang out with me for a weekend. And we were in the process of, of finishing Red Hot and Holy. So I was at this time, I was flying back and forth to Atlanta to finish the record. And, and they had flown out to see me in California. And we had written Formula that day. And we had gotten to the point of the song where the the dialogue is happening. The um, for for speed, <laughs> and we must have like walked around San Francisco uh, <laughs> doing that bit, <laughs> staring at us on the sidewalk as we were going for speed, like <laughs> over. And we laughed about it for like probably like the whole night it was so <laughs> well because we would forget about it and we'd start doing other stuff or we'd go like that you know sarah was showing us around because we had never been there before so she, you know sarah was showing us all the different you know cool spots to see 
and one of us would remember and just look at the other and first speed. <laughs> yeah, that's all it takes. And then I think yeah. we went back to the rest of the band and everyone's like, okay, I guess. <laughs> yeah. You're like, is this not the funniest shit though? Like it's like yeah. you guys, on, guys. It's gonna it's gonna be great. <laughs> that's literally the conversation. Oh yeah. So you guys yeah. it's gonna be so funny. Yes. Thank you for coming on. This has been a real enjoyable yeah. conversation. I love the music. I love the I love what I'm hearing. So I'm 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 happy to have you on. Uh, Lizzie actually was the reason that we're like, you got to check out this band. And we played your song. Uh, Lizzie, what was the song? Oh, I can't remember these titles. I think it was um, six six. Yeah, I think it was. It was a while ago. We do like a DJ stream every Friday, and I yeah. usually put together um, like a playlist of my own music because Brian is an angry old man who doesn't listen to new music usually. So I usually have to be like, here, play this music. <laughs> Please like it. Yeah, and I'm like, oh yeah, this is great. And then you're like, let's have him on. I'm like, hell yeah, let's have him on. I think it was, I think it was Formula Six Six Six, or it was Dead Girls Tell No Tales that I put on there. Yeah, I have to look back. Dead Girls is a is a favorite of a lot of people. So yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, Well, we are very appreciative to have you on. Uh, Thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you. That's our episode. That was a great conversation. Yeah. We big, are big fun, a good, you know, discussion on things of what's happening in the real world and <laughs> just finding out new cool music that I don't feel a lot of us have had in our scene that's been new and revigorating for a really, really long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're they're the type of band that I'm like, you need a band like that in in this scene because there is those kids like probably most of us that are theater or uh choir or band or shit where it's like oh yeah fucking yeah this is my kind of band uh so that's definitely me (laughs) that's definitely a band that like i will get into because all the other bands that are like that for me uh broke up so i need a new one or panic to start making pop music so whatever (laughs) well thanks for checking us out this week on the emo social club podcast if you liked it uh make sure to rate and review us on the podcast channel of your choice check out our youtube for the video episode i'm brian i'm lizzie and we ran out of time but whatever thank you goodbye (laughs) (laughs) oh my god play the fucking play the fucking song stupid that's fun come to the fucking (laughs) come to the fucking google meet